Hello and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinelli, and this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or rewatching once a week. If this is the first episode of mine that you're stumbling upon or you're finding or you're listening to and you enjoy it, please feel free to check out my other episodes. I have a range of television shows that I have talked about. And if you like those or you like this one and you want to keep up to date, please follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. I, I'm going, I've been a little bit inconsistent. So if you care to know when the episodes are released, it is just good to follow me because you'll get notified. And I have, like, I try my best to post about the episodes on social media, but sometimes, like, I just don't have a ton of time. So it slips my mind and I I work weird hours. So there's just, there's a lot going on. And I am trying to be more consistent. I say this all the time. This year specifically has been all over the place with this podcast, but anyways, I always have timestamps in the description, so if you don't care about my life, you can skip the intro. I'm going to talk a little bit about how my life's been, why I've been inconsistent, and my hopes for the podcast going forward, hopefully for the rest of the year and onward, but if you don't care about that, please feel free to skip. I, this episode is going to be a range of things. I'm kind of going to go old school Emmy Awards where I don't have many notes. I just kind of come to the microphone and talk about all the thoughts in my brain about the shows I've been watching for the last week. Now it's been like three weeks, so I didn't, sometimes when I'm focusing in on one TV show, whether it's Big Brother or The Bachelor, I like to take notes. So I'll rewatch the episode or I'll take notes while I'm watching the episode. And I just haven't done that this week. So I, I have a few notes of my general thoughts. And I was originally going to come back last week. So I have notes from last week that I'm going to like mention. But I didn't take detailed notes of like recapping any episodes or stuff like that. I'm just kind of going to share my general thoughts all over the place about the shows I've been watching and if you are interested in any of them or you've been watching it too and you want to hear my thoughts there are chapters so if you don't care about Big Brother but you want to know my thoughts on The Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, all of those are options. I'm also going to talk about The Kardashians. I'm going to talk about Love is Blind. I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of TV shows right now. I have been doing purely reality television content for a little while now due to the SAG after strike. Um, they put out guidelines for podcasts and they asked people not to cover struck work because actors or just general members of SAG are not allowed to promote any struck work, even if it's old. So I have just in solidarity been steering clear of any scripted television. So I've only been doing reality TV, but lucky for me, I have a lot to say anyway. But anyways, I originally knew when I said in my last episode that the week, the following week from when that episode was posted, it's going to be kind of weird because my mom was going to be in town, but that I was going to try to get an episode out early the following week. Like I was going to miss my normal Friday or weekend. I, I normally post Friday or sometime in the weekend, but um, 
I was going to miss that regular upload, but I was going to try to record on like Sunday or Monday and get an episode out Tuesday and then a regular one out that same weekend. But the reason I said that was because I really wanted to talk about Big Brother. And when I finished episode 42, I was like, I'm going to have a lot to say about Big Brother. So I'm going to do that. But then a lot happened in Big Brother that made me like not want to talk about it and I am going to get into it but I just like I really for a while there things like slowed down and it was a very uneventful week that first week that I missed and then last week I was going to come back I was ready my mom was no longer in town I was like ready I took notes and then Thursday rolled around and the Golden Bachelor at Bachelor in Paradise premiered all in one night and then at midnight new Love is Blind episodes dropped so I just like I didn't end up recording a podcast because I really didn't have the energy to do that. I really just wanted to watch TV. This time of year is kind of hard for me. And I just, I've been going through it a little bit. And while I love this podcast genuinely, I think when I am in a bad place mentally, it's hard even to do the things I love because it doesn't feel worth it like I get very in my head about this podcast as much as I try to constantly be like it's a hobby like it's just for fun you're doing this because you enjoy it and it's a nice time capsule of your thoughts on a season like all of those things I'm going to genuinely enjoy being able to track my perception on the players and the characters and the dynamics in this season of Big Brother even so I'm not and like the deep dives I've done on scripted television like I'm really proud of that like this podcast I need to like continue to reinforce to myself that doing it within itself is success like it it's something I'm doing because I enjoy and it brings me joy and comfort but I think sometimes I get really in my head because I'm like nobody listens it's stupid I'm putting all this time and energy into something that's going nowhere and not that I want to become like a super famous podcaster but it is just disheartening and emotionally tolling and difficult when you are putting so much of your energy and your free time into something that you care deeply about and you're like proud of and you're doing your best and it's going nowhere like it's going nowhere my my nobody listens i i'm i don't have many subscribers there's me there's been very little progress in the like year and a half that i've been doing this and it can be really disheartening and i have depression and when i am in a depressive episode or i'm particularly sensitive to one thing or another when it comes it makes those intrusive thoughts and those doubts and those like fears and anxieties about something I care about like really difficult to ignore and it was just I have not been doing well so recording a podcast episode last week just really didn't feel possible and I knew that I like I it was going to be a greater loss than like emotionally it was going to be a toll And that's not what this podcast is meant to be. It's not meant to be work. I don't make any money from this. Would it be nice to make money from this? Obviously, I really enjoy doing it, but that's not the goal. Like, this isn't meant to be a side hustle 
or some kind of like launch into a new career. I'm simply doing this as a hobby. And if something along these, like if, if it would be an absolute dream come true if I could do something every day that brought me as much joy as talking about TV does. But that's not the realistic life that I'm li- living and I need to not put so much pressure on this podcast to be like a a huge success you know doing it and expressing myself creatively is is a success within itself and that is how I'm trying to reframe this project and any project that I do going forward creatively I think I just really get in my head and it makes it very hard to continue creating when it feels like I'm at a point where nobody cares and nobody's listening and I don't I don't know what to do and how to promote it and I don't know anything about podcasts and I really am just a girl with a microphone and garage band like I don't even have any kind of fancy editing software because I don't I can't afford it but anyways that that's kind of why I went MIA for a little while the first week I knew I was gonna miss and I was hoping to get episode 43 out just like later like early the following week but then that didn't end up happening and then that week rolled around and I was like I just don't want I don't want to do this so I didn't because I'm not going to do things that I don't want to do but all that being said I do care about this podcast and I think even when I'm feeling really sad and disappointed in myself about progress I've made and not even just about this podcast I think I'm just in a very emotionally fragile state where I'm very aware of all of the negative stuff that's going on in my life, whether, and the ways I'm like unfulfilled and happy. And I I feel like I wake up every day asking myself, like, what could I change today or this week that would make my life a little bit better? Would, Would make my life worth living? And that sounds really dramatic, but that is genuinely, I go into days and weeks and months and years being like how can I wake up every day and be as content with my life as I can be and I think when there are a lot of triggers due to like anniversaries or just general like stressors of my life things that are going on relationships work all of that whatever the trigger is or the thing that that I feel like makes me more emotionally sensitive than I would be sometimes it's literally just getting my period um I am horrendously like depressed during my period whatever it is when I'm in that state it's just so hard to not when I'm in a better place Messing up for like a stressor doesn't become a a mountain if it's a molehill. But when I'm not like super, and I'm sure most people understand this feeling, when I'm really like not doing well, it's hard to not let little things that I would normally, when I was feeling more stable, be able to like be a little bit irked by or upset by or hurt by, but then like like look at it factually and not blow it up into this big thing or like read into it or or have or like spiral when I'm like not doing well little things prompt 
spirals and and it's just it's really hard to because I on my best days I can be triggered by something or upset by something and take uh, like take the time that I need to feel that step away be by myself feel that and then I come back to the situation I process it I think about it rationally and I'm able to just like go to sleep and in the morning I feel fine about it if it was just like one thing that happened when I'm not doing well one little thing that happened like I don't I'm not able to get out of that emotional mindset that I'm like feeling to be able to step back and look at it rationally and factually and be like this trigger that you're feeling or like this thing that triggered you feeling x y and z about yourself that is not factually what happened you know but I can't do that like I can't like I and the hard part is even if I am fighting my brain is fighting with my emotions to be like no like that's not true look at what factually happened the emotion is so strong and so palpable that it's hard to even if I know logically to let myself to like act logically like anyways I didn't mean to like go into this whole thing and I feel like I didn't make a lot of sense but I've just not been doing well and doing this podcast was hard because I feel really bad about myself and I feel really bad about the fact that it's just hard when you feel like a worthless like failure of a person to still show up and do something knowing that the result of that episode is not going to be any different that you're just going to put out another episode and like maybe one person will listen to it and and nothing will change like it's hard to to keep doing something if you feel like the result is never going to change which is why I've been trying to reframe it and remember that like at the end of the day I'm not I I, this isn't something I have to do I'm doing it because I enjoy it and I care about it but I think on some level that makes it harder because it's not like a job that I'm showing up to do and if I like am miserable at the job I I'm like why I need this job I like it's something that I'm choosing to do and I'm and I care so deeply about and I think it makes it harder when it feels stagnant and I just wasn't able to put the emotion aside and let myself record an episode even if it fails because that is what I normally come to the table doing I talk into this microphone and I'm like if nobody listens I had a good time talking and I think I was just in a place where I was like I'm like I'm not me like me having a good time talking isn't even going to be worth it because nobody's going to care and I care so deeply about this thing that nobody else cares about like it was just it didn't feel worth it to just do it for fun if it wasn't going anywhere I say this it was like one week of me feeling this way about this podcast but I I do sometimes just generally struggle and it's like boohoo your podcast is a failure (laughs) move on Emmy nobody's telling you to do this podcast if nobody cares maybe you should stop doing it if you want to if you're doing it for people to care (sighs) but I don't know anyways 
What was I don't even remember why I started. But anyways, that was my long-winded introduction. If you skipped the introduction, congrats. I, I got really... I went a weird, on a weird emotional tangent that I didn't even mean to. I have so much TV to talk about. I don't know why I went into that tangent. I just feel like sometimes it feels really... Okay, my in, my intro is not done. I'm gonna and then and then I'll I'll jump straight into it. But I I think the last thing I want to say is in my intro, not in this in this podcast. I think sometimes I feel really silly or stupid, and I invalidate myself for feeling a certain way. And I think I'm scared to even say like things that I feel stupid for being sad about to other people, even my therapist sometimes. And I think this fear about this podcast, like, is not something I really talk about because it feels genuinely so stupid. And I think it's kind of freeing that nobody listens to this podcast anyway. So I can just cry about what a failure this podcast is, and nobody's going to listen anyway. So... I think I'm just going to let go to the best of my ability. It's harder when I'm sensitive, but I'm going to try to just have this be a creative outlet. It's not something I'm producing for consumption. It's something I'm producing for myself. And that is the perspective I need to have on it. I think it's just hard sometimes, and I don't know if other people feel this way about creative endeavors or just like, their daily life but it feels like there is such a like narrative and I feel like it's a very American like United States perspective of like hustling and success and like always wanting to like be super successful where I feel like even something I'm doing simply creatively I'm like if this doesn't make me money or if this doesn't get me opportunities what's the point of putting all this effort into doing it and I just don't think that that is a healthy attitude to have and I need to just allow myself to to I need to talk myself out of that I need to be like Emmy like no that is not the truth that's not why you're doing this it's not even why I started but sometimes I get in my head and I'm like I've been doing this for like a year and a half like it's gonna be almost two years before I know it and what what was the point? What have you gotten out of it? And I think that is such an unhealthy mentality that I struggle with, like, almost everything I do. I mean, I foster kittens, and I feel like that is, like, something that I do purely for, like, I, I'm never thinking about it from, like, I'm going to make money off this. Or, like, like, I'm never thinking about fostering kittens as, like, in this way that I am the podcast, so I don't know why... I don't know. I, I think it's just different, but it, it is just hard and I really get it in my head. But anyways, I'm going to move on. Nobody's, li- nobody's, no, nobody's listening except Emmy in five years when she goes back and listens to this. Because I do watch my old YouTube videos. I find those hilarious. Which, by the way, last thing I'll say in the intro, I'm going to try to start uploading my episodes. I'm going to do, like, uh, uploading my old... I'm going to upload my episodes in order on my youtube channel audio only but hopefully that'll help me we reach a wide wider audience because i feel like i was getting more views on the podcast when i was doing 
audio and video and I don't have time to do video anymore because it just it's like another good amount of editing that it takes that I just don't have because I have a job so I just like now I'm going to try to upload audio only on YouTube to hopefully still gain some kind of audience that way but I'm gonna I'm gonna start by my from my oldest episode that had that didn't have a didn't have a video version and I'm gonna upload a couple every week until I catch up and then I'll start when these episodes go live on other streaming things they'll go live on YouTube it's also just tricky because you can directly upload to YouTube from your like podcast feed but only if the episodes are under two hours and I have a few that are under, that are like three hours so I need to figure out how to get those in video format and upload those and yada 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 but anyways last thing I will say anyways so the first show I'm going to talk about if you skipped my intro good for you <laughs> the first episode I'm going to show that I'm going to talk about is Big Brother. Now, the last I talked about in Big Brother was, I believe, Jared being HOH. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> so much has happened since, literally so much has happened. So the week that I was originally like, I need, I'm, I'm going to need to cover this, like, I... Anyways, basically, if, if you've been keeping up with Big Brother, you know what happened. But Jared won, Cam got eliminated, then then Corey won the double eviction HOH. He sent out Jared. Both Jared and Cam came back into the house as zombies. And that was kind of when I was like, I'm not going to cover this because I was like, the entire week leading up to Cam leaving felt pointless because he came back anyway. And then the week after that, of the like, which is, that is the week that my mom was in town. Um, like, my mom was in town Thursday during the double. And so that week was the week I was going to originally, which I don't know, I lost track of the number of weeks now. I think now that I'm not doing just Big Brother content, I'm not going to put the weeks. Maybe I will going forward but I'm kind of catching up here so I'll figure out how I as I go but that week my mom was in town and I just kind of decided I don't really need to talk about this we'll see how the zombie twist plays out it feels kind of pointless I was so happy when Corey won the double eviction HOH that made me really happy and I was literally like I made my mom watch Big Brother with me and I was literally, like, so angry because I'm like, you don't understand, Monique. This would have been the perfect double eviction boot order. Like, pre-jury perfection. It would have been amazing. And I have to say the zombie thing, like, everybody and their mother has said that it was, like, the dumbest twist ever. And not even because, like, battle backs suck, which I, I do believe they do. Now, I say that, and if my favorite came back, would I be living for it? Yeah, <laughs> on some level or another. From an entertainment perspective, I'd be like, well, I want them to stay around longer. But from a game perspective, I do find it kind of annoying <laughs> when twists interfere with the game itself 
and the natural trajectory of things. And I think the reason the zombie twist felt so flat was because not only did it make like that week and the double eviction with double evictions are normally like so iconic and like how fast and how much they can flip things because there's no time for like people going back and forth it's just like you nominate the people immediately you do a competition and it's just like all in the heat of the moment where you don't have the room to have somebody be the target but then everybody spends three days convincing themselves actually the other person's a better target so there's just so much momentum and like chaos and like fun that comes out of a double eviction even if and even when the double evictions have sent out people that I like like the pacing and like there's it's just it's always interesting and I think it ruined the double eviction which sucked it had the two people that I like wanted in the house the least coming back and then they were in the house as if like they they had no other barriers or punishments even though they were zombies. Like, there was no buffer. Like, they, they didn't even have to eat sloth. They weren't even have nuts. All they had to do was wear these stupid zombie costumes. Like, them being zombies was, like, nothing. Like, they were just in the house for an extra week. And one of them would, like, they had to do a competition. But the other one was just in the house another week. Like, it was, it was weird. And there was no HOH that week or veto. So it was a very boring week with very little they could do because all you could do was like talk to each other and strategize but I think so much in the house changes when somebody has HOH or somebody has power and you can like plan out a million scenarios and make all these alliances and talk about things but none of it really means anything until somebody has power and because there was no like looming somebody is going to be like it was boring it was a very boring week and they called it scary week and literally nothing happened like it was just it, it fell flat it was a horrible horrible twist and week of big brother because nothing happened and then Cameron came back which like boo sucked I kind of I kind of I, I was really torn because I didn't like either of them I thought I was like I don't know because I was like I think Jared is less of a threat in the sense that he isn't winning as many competitions as Cameron is he winning was he winning competitions absolutely like I'm not trying to I know I've clowned on Jared here and there for winning competitions by default but like a win is a win okay he won a good like congrats to Jared like the wall he won the wall am I gonna shit on Jared no okay I'm just like He's not in the house anymore. I'm not somebody who's going to, unless like a house guest is being horrendous post season or like while the season's still airing and they're out of the house. Like I'm just, I'm not here to roast people or criticize people. I really just like commenting on what I'm seeing on television. Like I'm not somebody who's gonna hate on Jared now. Will I talk about how past house guests exits and stuff have impacted the game obviously but I'm not here to be like Jared didn't win his competitions that's like moot at this point because he's gone but I was very torn because I was like I feel like Jared would go after Corey in America he already did and Corey got him out so that was a concern 
but at the same time I don't like Cameron at all like I was just it was a lose-lose situation for me but after Cameron won the first competition like the first part of it I kind of resigned myself to Cameron coming back because I thought that there was no way they were going to make it that hard of a second competition and I was also thinking there's no way Cameron's going to let Jared win so or like play himself so unless Cameron like decided like I was like the only way that I think like I didn't think Cameron was going to lose and I do think that they made that that competition like three minutes like he had to get the ball and the thing by three minutes I think they should have done one minute he would have lost and that would have been way harder like three minutes is a good amount of time but whatever <sighs> or like only one ball he had the ball fall and he could put another ball and try it again like it was it was just a flop to watch like I knew Cameron was coming back so he did um and then Cameron won HOH boo tomato 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 nightmare scenario once again and this last week of big brother was actually pretty interesting i mean i don't know i have to say the more i it was it was kind of interesting but it was also just really annoying to watch because i always hate cameron hoh weeks because cameron's on the feeds a lot and people have to talk to him to they have to talk to him because he has power and what are they going to do not talk to the guy who could send them home of course not and I cannot stand Cameron <laughs> I really can't like I almost every day that I, I watch him on feeds he says something or he talks some way about somebody that just makes me really upset like the thing that bothers me about Cameron is that Big Brother is a social game like, yes, you have to win competitions and wielding power is important to keep yourself safe. Like, all of those things matter. Obviously, if you never win a competition, you are in danger to some extent because you don't, you don't have that guaranteed safety. But at the end of the day, it is a social competition. You don't win at the end. If you make it to the end, you don't win the money. By winning a final competition you win because a jury of your peers votes and at the end of the day if you don't connect with people you're not gonna like maybe unless like the other person sucks next to you you'll get the money but I just feel like the point of Big Brother shouldn't be winning as many competitions as you can it should be positioning yourself in a way so that if you don't win a competition because you can't win head of household every week you have to be positioned well enough that winning or losing a competition isn't going to make or break your position in the game. Cameron is a really annoying play, kind of player to watch because there's, there's none of that social game. He, the only way he's going to make it to the end is if he comps out. And I just don't find those kind of players compelling. They're not interesting they're 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 not they're not interesting and i just think i don't know i don't know like even okay he had the hoh he had two people on the block that he nominated mimi and felicia 
He had two people on the block, which neither was a pawn to him. Like, whoever went home, it wouldn't be a big loss to his game. It's not like he nominated one of his closest allies where he genuinely needed the power of veto. Why did he have to win that power of veto? Like, at some point, you don't have to win every competition. It's just stupid. It's stupid to win every competition. If Mimi took herself down, you could have gotten somebody out that you, like, I just, I don't find those kind of players to be very good. And I even, I've been watching Big Brother 7, and obviously Janelle is, like, amazing, and she's nowhere comparable to Cameron because she had social connections, and she's a very likable person. Like, all of America loved her. Um, And she had really close friendships that she made in the house and, like, alliances, and, like, her social game is nowhere on the I'm not comparing her to that, but I do think... And I even think, I don't know, I think Janelle... Going into into season seven, I'm not gonna. Oh God, I'm not gonna get into. That. I have so much, so many shows to talk about. I shouldn't get into Big Brother seven, but I, I I think it's just it's a little bit different when you're playing your second time, and like the Big Brother six people were really big targets. So like they wanted Janelle out kind of from the get go. So I understand why she won stuff to keep herself safe. I think that's a different scenario. Even Michael from last season, like he at the beginning had to win a lot of vetoes because he was constantly on the block. And then he said, he was like, at some point I already knew that people kind of viewed me as a target. So I was like, I'm gonna keep winning competitions to try to beat the record. I don't know. It didn't feel like uh, like Cameron started winning things. Or like there there's a point where you're not in danger. Maybe you shouldn't win everything. And I think he relies too much on him being able to win a competition instead of making those social connections that would allow you to not have to win every single competition. Because the more competitions you win, the first one you lose, they're gonna get your ass out. Like, have you not seen a season of Big Brother? Like, you say you're a super fan. All those comp threats, unless they they won out, got sent home. Chanel got cut from the final three because she which I haven't even gotten there, but I do know how Big Brother 7 ends. She got she got cut from the final three because she didn't win that last A2H. And Mike Boogie was like, I'm not going to win against you. You have a really impressive record. Like, at the end of the day, that, like, it's just not smart. Have you never seen, even last season of Big Brother, Michael, like eventually the moment that he didn't have a veto they sent him home because they were like it's it's you're too much of a threat because you don't want somebody specifically in the end game to have all the power over you you don't want somebody who's gonna win that final 3 to wage and be and then like at that point like the further you get in the game, you don't want people who can beat you because those end game competitions really determine if you make final four, final three, et cetera, et cetera. Like those last competitions are so important. Why would you at like the the final eight, final seven or whatever, keep Cameron if you have the opportunity to get him out when he could just get to the end and like win the final competitions and then get your ass out before you even reach the final two. I wouldn't do that. I think it's stupid. I think anybody who keeps him too long is making a big mistake. And that's just the na- that's just the truth. And I don't find that kind of player compelling. And I also, I think because I've been watching feeds this year more than I ever have, I've really been trying to understand 
the dynamics. And I didn't start watching feeds until like a couple weeks in. So I missed like the beginning of the season on feeds. But I think I just always, I don't know. I've been really curious and I was like, let me see how Cameron interacts with people. And I've like witnessed it to some extent. But I think the more I consume of Cameron, the more I am like, if I was in this game, I would not want you to win. You are hor- like, you are horrible in a in a in a social aspect. He's not good. He belittles people. He condescends to people. If somebody doesn't agree with his perspective, he will like try to strong arm them into agreeing with his point of view. Like, he doesn't have a good social game. He doesn't. And while yes, comping out at the end is a risk, and that's why they should get people out who stand in between the money and them at the end. When you get to the final two, the jury matters. And June from season four, the winner of season four, I just watched an interview with her where she was like, I think people talk about jury management as if it starts like when jury starts. Like jury management is how you treat people the entire game. And I think that's so true because Cameron just has not treated people well or even like he made an alliance with Matt and Jag they called themselves the fugitives and the way Cameron talked about other people if I was in that room with him I would be like I don't like this like they were like naming off people and he was like loser 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 never gonna win not a risk like it's not cute and not like great to underestimate every single person because at the end and and the strong arming thing and the trying to convince other people that if you see things differently that you're wrong and it's how he's like that kind of thing where if like Cameron literally there was an interaction and I think I talked about this where America was telling him like you were the target last week and he was like no I wasn't and she was like no you were the target and he was like I wasn't and in that same conversation, she was like, Jared hates me. And he was like, no, you, you're wrong. And America's like, what are you saying? Like, he hates me. And Cameron was like, no. And I, if I was in the house with that kind of person and I was on the jury and if I got to the end, I'd be like, you could never like respect my perspective or like try to empathize or sympathize or just view things from my perspective and understand my point of view and and say I understand where you're coming from but I disagree regardless because we see things differently like I if I got to the end I'd be like you never really valued my opinion so I'm not going to vote for you because I wouldn't want to vote for somebody who doesn't treat me like a person and I just don't feel like Cameron has those whatever now I'm just going on and on about how much I don't like Cameron I just really cannot stand watching him on the feeds because he talks so negatively about people and the thing is I know everybody like talks shit about other people and they laugh but it's just like the way Cameron talks about people there's no humor it's not like you're laughing with your friends about like that weird thing that that person you both know did which I'm still not a big fan of But to me, that is a different kind of vibe of like, we're in this crazy scenario and people are are doing this and that and and we're laughing about it and we're venting to our friends. And there's a way that Cameron talks about people with no humor and no levity where it genuinely feels like he is condemning people or like, like I, I can't, I can't stand the way Cameron talks about people. It's like the tone, it's the words he uses 
It's the way he talks to them himself. He is so condescending. When Felicia was on the block, and I, she had a little at the veto ceremony, because Cameron won the veto, and he was considering backdooring Corey, but then Matt and Jack convinced him not to. At the veto ceremony, Felicia had a speech where she basically threw Corey under the bus, and then America and Felicia fought a little bit. It was like such a mild uneventful fight they aired it in thursday's episode and it was like truly a nothing burger but anyways after that cameron like said to felicia or he said that he i don't i didn't see him saying this directly but he was telling a group of people that he said this to her where it was like don't go out like in a way that you wouldn't be proud of and i was just thinking listening to that i i as a 24 year old girl would be like I don't need you to tell me how I need to carry myself on tv first of all but to do that to somebody who is like twice your age maybe not exactly twice your age but like almost twice your age who has lived probably way more life than you like I know Cameron has had plenty of experiences yada 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 but like like he literally said in his intro video like anything that you can think of I've probably been through it like okay Cameron sure that's just not even true there are things that i've gone through that i know for a fact you haven't gone through and i'm not trying to make this like a competition of who suffered the most but that's just such a silly thing to think of have you immigrated to this country no you were born here shut the fuck up we have different life struggles why are you like i just i really don't like cameron but anyways that wasn't the point i just i think it's so disrespectful and i'm not somebody who like I, like, I don't know, thinks that you can't play the game, like, or that you have to, like, because they're older than you, show an inherent level of respect. But I think it is just so condescending and shows this, like, perspective that he has and this attitude that he has that he is telling Felicia, hey, you shouldn't do this. You should, like, telling her how she should act so she can be proud of it. Like, dude shut up who are you who are you i'd be like you're a child like you're an adult but like compared to me i've lived i feel this way sometimes if i'm talking to like a freshman when i was a senior in college and freshmen would be telling me things i'd be like i've lived so much more life than you and that's like four years of a difference if i had 20 years on somebody like 25 ish years on somebody and they were trying to tell me that I should behave myself a certain way so I could be proud of myself, I would literally be like, like, I just, I can't stand the attitude that he has. I really cannot stand him. You know, partly what it is, is that the other people can just straight up admit, I don't really like them. I don't really trust them. Like, there, there's just more of a, like, human way that people talk, that they talk about each other. Cameron will literally be like, I love the guy. But the way he's acting so anxious is making me nervous about Corey. He said that last week, which at first he was saying, Corey's too comfortable. I don't like that. And then he was like, the way Corey's acting, like pacing and doing this and that just n makes me know that he's plotting against me. It's like, maybe he's anxious. Like I literally could not be in a house with Cameron because I would be like fidgeting and he'd be like, she's out to get me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm here like Bowie having no idea what's going on. Like, I, like I, I don't know. Anyways, that was a long-winded thing. But that was, that was the point of this episode. So, rest of the week, 
Felicia's initially the target. There was, like, a possibility for a Corey backdoor, and I was preparing myself for that. I was like, well, you know, we had a good run if Corey goes home. And, look, I really just wanted Corey in America to make it to jury, at least, because I'm a hopeless romantic, and I hope those two kids can get it together and have a happy life together. You know what the thing is? I have, through watching a lot of The Bachelor and and caring a lot about celebrities and like wanting them to be happy i've I've gotten to a point in my life where i'm like i like i can like really buy into a relationship from what i see but the truth is i don't know these people personally and you only see a fraction of what people are actually going through in their lives and in their relationships on social media so i've just gotten to a point where i'm like if if a couple that i really like on tv doesn't last like, I wish them both the best, and I hope people can find happiness outward, like, beyond that. Like, I'm I'm not somebody who's going to be, like, devastated if these people I've never met don't last in the real world. Like, I don't care. I like them individually, and watching them makes me happy. But I am a hopeless romantic, and I, I was sad at the prospect of one of them going home. <laughs> like, and being apart from the other for two months. It makes me sad. I don't want them to have that distance outside of the jury. Like, I, you know, I, I wanted them to, even if they go to jury, even if they're eliminated this week, I, I want them to be able to build that bond in the jury house. Now, I obviously, I really like them individually too. And I didn't want either to go home. But I didn't really want Felicia or Mimi to go home either. So I was losing either way this week. But Felicia was originally the target. The Cory backdoor didn't end up happening. And then... I think on Tuesday, conversations of a flip started happening. I didn't really buy into it because those conversations always happen. I thought, I thought Corey was dead in the water, you know, and then he wasn't. He was swimming just fine. So I was like, I'm, I don't know if I buy into this. But the flip ended up happening, and Mimi went home instead of Felicia. And I was sad, but I have to say, as much as I loved Mimi, and I really, from the beginning, maybe not from the beginning, like, I don't know when I started feeling this way, but I, at some point, was like, I don't, like, Corey and America, I don't think they're winning. You know, I'm I'm here until the wheels fall off, but I don't think that they're going to fall off on finale night. I think they'll fall off before that. But Mimi, I was like, I think she's positioned well enough that she could get further in the game and then if she wins certain competitions like I had faith in Mimi but I have to say as much as I love Mimi and I was rooting for Mimi I am a little disappointed by how she played this week being on the block because I do think not making too many waves is good and I think Mimi's ability to stay under the radar generally is good and I mean she was a pawn originally she wasn't meant to be evicted but I think she did a bad job convincing people that she should stay. I mean, she even said, I don't know who she said this to, I think maybe to Blue, or Blue said this to her, I don't know. There were talks that, like, Corey and America tried to, like, reach out to her and be like, when Felicia leaves, if you want to form something, us and Bowie or us and somebody else, like, we still want to work with you. And Mimi said, no, I don't trust you. And to me, I understand kind of, to some degree, 
not wanting to say yes to things if you don't actually trust the people. But I think if you're on the block and you want to get people's votes, you don't have to commit to something, but you could at least be like, yeah, I would love to. Like, if I stick around, I don't even... Like, I just don't think she did a very, like, good job campaigning for herself. And I find that kind of sad because I, lo- I had a lot of faith in Mimi, but I just don't think... Even when she got wind of the flip, I think she was kind of, like, resigned to it. And I just think that Felicia had more fight in her. She was pushing to stay as much as she could. And so in that respect, I'm happy Felicia stayed because she seemed to want it more and to push it more. And I'm not saying Mimi didn't want to win. And I would love to see Mimi play another season, genuinely. I found her to be very interesting And I think she just held her cards very close to her chest. And the people she committed to, she stayed with. And I would have loved to see some more floater energy or some more adaptability of like when the brown sugar babes fell apart and Jared went home. Some more adapting. Like I I think Mimi, from my perspective, the people that she decided at some point that she didn't trust and the people she decided... Like, once she decided she trusted you, she was going to trust you. But once she decided that she wasn't going to trust you, she she wouldn't reconsider. Like, that was my... And I don't know what's going on in her brain, but that was my read on Mimi. Where And then there were people who I don't think she really considered one way or the other. So she was open to them. Because I don't think Blue was really on her radar. Like, she thought of Blue as, like, Jared's girlfriend and she had nothing against Blue. So when Blue was kind of alone wolf like a a solo player and she like tried to befriend Mimi and and make a thing with Mimi I think she was open to that because she didn't have these preconceived or like decided definitive ideas about about Blue already but I think Mimi at some point decided I trust Sari and Felicia maybe Felicia more than Sari but I'm loyal to these people and I don't really trust Corey in America and so I'm not gonna like I, I I think once she decided she didn't trust them, there was no convincing that they could have done, even if they said they were loyal and they showed they were loyal. I think she was always going to be a little bit sketched out by them. And I'm not saying that wasn't warranted or like that she was wrong for that. And that was just my read. I think I would just love to see Mamie play another season and maybe be like learn from the ways her gameplay like fell flat in certain ways and maybe be more adaptable in a second season and be more willing to abandon people you previously trusted or start trusting people that you previously didn't trust because I think literally like people were trying to offer her like a way to stay or like a path forward after her like number one left and she was like no I don't trust you I'm not going to do it and that was part of the reason that got her evicted because she tried to make deals and fight for herself in the game then maybe she would have stayed But anyways, I love Mimi. I am going to miss her. I love the fact that she has a tweet for absolutely every scenario from 10 years ago. It's like so funny. They were talking about a salad she made (laughs) the other day, like a couple days ago. And there were tweets from Mimi's account from like 2010 about her being like, I heard you said my salad was good or something. It's like is she a time traveler for real? Like, it was, it's so funny. Mimi's old Twitter is so funny. Um, I, I just, you know, I really like Mimi. I want to follow her. I wish her and her husband 
Well, I re- it always made me really happy when she talked about D.C. Because I grew up in Maryland right outside of it, right, t- right outside of D.C. And even though I don't see myself living in D.C. anytime soon or maybe ever, like, I don't think I'd want to settle down in D.C. I... I it, it obviously feels like a home to me in some capacity or other. So I just I like when people are from DC or the DMV area generally. It makes me feel a level of connection to a person, if that makes sense. So it made me happy when she like you know talked about DC and stuff because my parents still live there too. So it's kind of like when she's talking about back home, I'm thinking about my parents. I I don't know. I really like Mimi, and I'm sad that she left. But it was going to suck as an outcome either way. So then during this was Thursday's episode, Thursday the 5th of October, <laughs> the episode was so good. I genuinely recommend if if you don't really keep up with Big Brother, I don't know why you're listening to this portion of the podcast, or if you don't like... I know there are some people who only watch the feeds and don't really watch the episodes, which I find interesting because you miss a lot on the feeds. I mean, you miss a lot in the episodes too. But it's just like, do you not care to see any of the competitions? Because I actually find those kind of fun. And I, I, I genuinely... This is one thing I think old school Big Brother did better. The DRs. Like, I genuinely like enjoy the commentary. But I do think old school Big Brother... Something I've, I've, I've noticed from like watching... I just finished Big Brother 6, and I've been watching Big Brother 7. I'm, like, 10 episodes into it or something. I don't know. Actually, no. I I was, like, really depressed the other day, and then I, like, stayed up really late watching, like, a good amount of episodes. So I might be, like, episode tw- like on episode, like, 20 of Big Brother 7 at this point. But the DRs are so funny in the old school Big Brother. Like, I'm just, I'm laughing all the time. Like, they'll say, like... It, they're just funny. Like, I don't know. It's They're not as funny now. But anyways, so, but I do generally enjoy the DRs and I enjoy, like, I enjoy the episodes. But if you're somebody who doesn't really watch it or if you've watched here and there, I really, this episode was so good. The, 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 the H2H competition was live, which I love. That's another thing that old school Big Brother did well. And obviously I didn't, I'm not watching it live, but they had the HOH competitions a lot of the times, not always, because they had some endurance competitions or, like, whatever. But, like, they had a good amount of HOH competitions that happened on the live thing, which I think is really, like, good if you're watching it live. But it's also just good for the next episode because they don't have to spend a portion of it covering the HOH competition. Like, they'll do, like, five minutes of, like, the aftermath but there's so much more ground to cover when you're not covering a competition within itself. And if we don't even see the competition, there's always, like, even if we don't, like, if we don't even see, like, the beginning of the competition, there's always a, like, segment of them explaining it and, like, I don't know. The DRs of, like, they're doing their play-by-plays of, like, what they did here and then, like, that takes up so much time that if you're watching the competition live, you don't necessarily need to know. But anyways, they did the competition live, and a pet peeve of mine is all the house guests this season 
Like, maybe I'm just, like, cutthroat and I'm, like, this is competition. But I find it genuinely annoying that they are all studying with each other. Like, don't help the other person. And I guess it's, like, it builds camaraderie if you're studying together. But, like, Corey, as much as I love him and I was rooting for him, and I do think it's annoying that certain people, like, some people in the house were saying he threw the competition. He got third place. Like, he tied in the end three people tied with a point with six points and he lost the last question and then they went to a tiebreaker with the last two people but like he was doing well but i have to say as much as i'm like trying to defend Corey, he also said on the live feeds that there were some questions that he only found out today when he was studying with somebody like you guys need to not study <laughs> if you don't know the answers i just that's just my take I wish that they they didn't help them study because people like most of the contestants did really well in the competition. And you know why? It's because they're all studying together. This isn't college. This is a competition. You don't. What's with the study group? I find that annoying. With peace and love, it's a competition. You know it or you don't. I just I I I I wish they I wish they didn't study together, but. Anyways, it came down to Felicia and Bowie Jane, and it was such a funny tiebreaker because Bowie Jane went extremely low and Felicia went extremely high in the numbers, and so Bowie Jane won even though her answer was like really not close at all, but Felicia's was over and significantly over too, so like it wasn't like she was like five over or like a hundred over, like she was like thousands tens of thousands over so you know neither of them did well but it is always better if you're doing like if you don't know or you're not going to be close to aim lower because you you don't want to if you go over you lose so even if you're a little over and you're closer but the other person had zero like they win so it's always just better to go as low as possible if you don't know the answer um because then you can hope that the other person went really high. Yada, yada, yada. But Bowie Jane won. And you know what? I'm happy for her. I'm genuinely happy for Bowie Jane. I I don't know what she's going to do. A lot of people are saying that it's just like a cam HOH or it's a mad and jag HOH. And I'm not going to demean and dismiss Bowie Jane. Like, I think Bowie Jane is a team player. And I think she has the social awareness and a le- level of social strategy and, and skills that allow her to not do something that is going to cause conflict just to cause conflict. Like when Cam was HOH during the Izzy eviction week, he genuinely, he said that he, he wanted to cause chaos. And that, again, is another reason that he just, he has a bad social game because it's not like, which I do think as much as, as people were like, him not backdooring Corey was a horrible move. And I do think that it was not the best move for him. I think getting Corey out would have been good for him more so than getting Mimi out. I don't know if getting Mimi out did anything for him. I think, I think that Cam's decision to trust his alliance, and even though he fought very hard with Mag and, <laughs> Mag, Matt and Jack... <laughs> Um, to specifically Jack, let's be real. Matt was more willing to go with the Corey leaving thing, but he fought very hard with Jack, trying to be like, I don't understand, like you're wrong, 
And Jack just, like, didn't move his stance, which I think is the right move to do with Cameron. And eventually, Cam decided that it was better to go with what the people he was trying to align with wanted and not upset them just for a selfish game, which I do think, obviously, you have to play a self-interested game. But I think Cameron's weakness is his social game. So the last thing you want to do, especially going into a week where you don't have the ability to play HOH, is to have nobody on your side. So if your alliance members, like a fresh alliance, are telling you, we don't want this person out, and you send that person out anyway, like that doesn't help your social game at all. And I do think that that was the right move in that regard. Do I think Corey's more of a threat to him than Mimi was? Maybe. I don't really know. I don't think Mimi was going to... Like, it's hard to say because... I don't think Corey really wants Cam in the game, but I don't think Mimi wanted to, like, I, I, I don't know. It's genuinely, in my opinion, hard to say who's more of a threat. Felicia definitely, who was originally Cameron's target, I think is more of a threat to Cameron in terms of jury and poisoning the jury on, like, just convincing the jury not to vote for him. Felicia's just more vocal, so she's, like, more... Like, I understand why he would target Felicia, but anyways, we'll see who Bowie Jane nominates. I think Corey and America are safe, and I'm happy about that. I hope that Corey and America win something soon. I really want America to win at least one competition, but Zingbot's coming back, which is going to be really exciting. I'm glad that most of my faves made it to Zingbot. And I loved Mimi, but I, I don't know if her her zing would have been anything that interesting. I think Jared's might have been funny, but I don't know because Jared's, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they would have been. But I do want to say, I talked in a previous episode about how upset I was that Jared said the R word and he wasn't punished at all. And I am still genuinely very disappointed in the way CBS handled it because I think if they weren't going to expel him they could have at least highlighted it in the episode and it could have started a conversation because Jared post-show has been very apologetic about that incident and been very like he hasn't been defensive about it he hasn't like denied it he hasn't tried to like deflect he's been like that was wrong and I'm sorry and I never like he like uh, his attitude towards it is something that would have been genuinely so great to see on the show be like and and a great conversation to have because he does seem genuinely open to taking accountability and admitting that was wrong and wanting people to know that he doesn't like view people like like I appreciated that and it made like his response was great but it made me even more mad, not at him, it made me even more mad that the show didn't talk about it at all, because, god, why am I, I'm literally tearing up again, um, (laughs) because I think it just, it would have been a great conversation to have, and I'm like, I'm emotional for other reasons right now, and I don't know why I I got teared up at that, (laughs) but, as much as I criticized Jared, and I did, I did. I wanted to root for him in the beginning because I loved Sari and, and I wanted the best for Sari. And I think, honestly, 
Sheree is doing just fine without Jared. I think she's done a great job of reposition... Like, she's positioned herself in a really good place right now. She has really strong allies. She's kind of under the radar. She even said in a diary room that they showed in one of the episodes that there was a lot of talk of her and Izzy running the game, and maybe Jared too, of her Izzy and Jared running the game and controlling things at the beginning of the season and so now she's at a position where she doesn't want to stand out like she wants to blend in and I think that's the right move and I genuinely think that Suri is going to do just fine without Jared and I'm still rooting for Suri like as much as I'm like I love Korean America I I'm still rooting for Suri I think there there's a good amount of people left who I would be genuinely happy with them winning and I think I think my feeling towards a win is really going to depend on the end game because depending on what certain people lose and things that develop, like obviously, like we're seven, we're almost 70 days into the game. Like there's only like a month left. But I think if there's one thing I've noticed is that things <laughs> change like every day. And I think the end game competitions and the end game strategy is really going to play a role in how I view whether I'm happy with the winner because I might feel like somebody was really robbed at the end of making final two. Like, I don't know. There's there's so much left to happen. But in terms of people that I would like personally, in terms of how much I like, like them, <laughs> there's a good amount of people. Like, I would love if Surya won genuinely. I, I have mixed feelings about Matt because I think he's playing a one, like a phenomenal game. Like, as a game player, he's doing such a great job. Like, he can win competitions, but he's not too much of a threat. Um, Like, he's not winning every competition because he's, like, good with everybody. Even the people who Matt, like, maybe doesn't like and he's, like, telling other people he doesn't like them, they all love him and they think he loves them too. Like, Matt is good with, like, everybody in the house. There's nobody in the house who doesn't trust Matt. Cam trusts Matt. Corey in America trusts Matt. Jag trust Matt, Blue trust Matt, Suri trust Matt, Felicia, like Matt, it's a wonderful game player. He he he's floating very well. He's winning competitions when he needs to. His social game is phenomenal, and I think like a deaf contestant, the first deaf house guest winning the season would be wonderful. I think that would open a lot of doors for disability representation. In on Big Brother and, and beyond, just generally in reality TV. So, like, there are a lot of things. Matt has said and done some things that I don't personally like. But if there's one thing that I have learned from how much I really disliked Jared in the house and seeing his response after, is that as much as Big Brother is a social experiment and you see things 24-7, and I think there's not an edit, so it, it's not... There is a good level of, like, this is really who they are. There is also a level of it is a very strange environment and there's high stakes and their emotions and all of these things that play a role. Like, it, it's unfiltered, but that doesn't mean that that's who they are necessarily in their real lives. And Matt has many moments of being a very kind, soft person. Like, emotionally aware. Like, everybody loves him. I think he's just, he's said and done some things that are a little bit suspect to me. And a little bit insensitive to me. But I'm not going to write him off as a human because of that or as a player. So even though he's not my favorite to win, I would be happy with Matt winning. I'd be happy with Felicia winning. 
I, I would love, I, like, I would be dying, like, I would think it'd be so interesting if Bowie Jane won, because I don't know how she's gonna get there. Blue, I have nothing against Blue personally. Like, I find her to be very interesting, and I am gonna follow her beyond the show. Like, I am gonna be one of her slay kitty purper, I don't know what she calls her fans, but girlies, I don't know. I am gonna be one of those. I find her very, like, funny. She's very camp to me. Like, she's over the top. Like, I don't know if she's, like, she's funny. I like Blue. But I find her gameplay kind of annoying, and I don't love how she talks about America. And I just don't know if she deserves to win. I think my, my, my biggest, like, struggle with Blue is that she's a recruit. And, and not that I don't like recruits, but it's just the way that she talks about Big Brother that makes me as a, like, a super fan really annoying. Like, it's annoying to me where she's like, oh, I watched these four, like, I've only seen four seasons. And Corey was telling me to watch 10. Why would I watch 10? That was so old. Like, things like that, that, like, as much as I, in, like, I, I don't dislike her as a person. I like I I really struggle to root for somebody who barely knows the game of Big Brother. Like I just, as a fan, I'm like that's not compelling to me, girly. That you've barely seen the show. Hell, I haven't seen like every season of Big Brother. I last year when I got Paramount Plus, I watched a few seasons. I watched four. 10 and 14 I've been watching since season 18 was my first season and I've been watching since so I watched I've watched like six seasons in real time although I will admit I didn't finish season 20 or 21 which everyone <laughs> that Mickey guy one I think that was 20 I didn't finish that one I'm not gonna lie um but I've watched all the seasons like since I started 18 Except I didn't finish that one. But I, I did, like, I think I, I did watch the finale. And I might, maybe I watched and I just blocked it out. Because I don't think I, I stopped during a season. But I just, like, I kept up with it less. Depending on how invested I was. But So I, I've watched a good amount of seasons, like, in real time. But I went back and I watched four, season four, with June. Because I was really interested in her strategy. And then I watched season ten because I wanted to see the introduction of Dan Giesling. And then I watched 14 because I wanted to see Dan's funeral and his second time playing. Like I was really interested in that. And season 14 was really interesting. And then I didn't have Paramount Plus for like a year because I, like I, I, yeah, I didn't have Paramount Plus for like a year. I originally got it because I wanted to watch the iCarly reboot. But anyways, I got Paramount Plus again earlier this year when the, like two weeks weeks into two weeks into the season, which is why I didn't watch Speed at the beginning of the season because I didn't have Paramount Plus yet, and I watched season six, and now I'm watching season seven, and then I want to watch season eight with like Dick and Danielle, and I want to watch, um, twelve and thirteen, and then I've already seen fourteen. Maybe I'll go back and watch two. I I don't know then there aren't that many that I haven't watched once I, I get through like you know once I watch eight nine or eight I've heard nine isn't very good eight <laughs> eight twelve thirteen I've already watched fourteen I want to watch parts of fifteen but Andy Herring who won like didn't his his like strategy wasn't shown very much which I find 
That's the one negative of the live feeds of Big Brother is that you don't know who the winner is when it's airing, so you can't air it. You can't edit a narrative of knowing who's going to win. So the winner, if it doesn't seem like they're doing a lot, like won't get a lot of airtime um, sometimes. So part of me wants to watch 15. Maybe I'll watch bits and pieces. And then 16 I haven't seen in its entirety, but I did watch a YouTube video called Big Brother 16 in 7 Hours or something. I have seen that. So, um, <laughs> I know the gist of season 16. Like, I feel like I've gotten most of it. I probably, I think those those kind of YouTube videos do a good job of just cutting out a lot of the filler, but I don't know. Uh, like, I, I, I know the general trajectory. I also, like, the thing is, while I haven't seen all of these seasons, and I'm, like, starting now to catch up, I watch a lot of Big Brother videos, so even though I like I I'd never seen season six or season seven, I knew what happened in season six. I knew like about Janelle and her like comp history. I know all about Evil Dick, um, and like Danielle and his win. I know about Rachel Riley. Like I I know about the the, the I knew about the pressure cooker, even though I'd never seen it, because even though I hadn't seen those seasons in full, I had consumed enough like content about the best players or the most interesting competitions or all the twists like I just I I know the history of like things in Big Brother because I've like kept up with it in that way even when I wasn't watching seasons so I just find Blue all that to say that I find it kind of hard watching Blue and wanting to root for her when she doesn't even know what game she's on because it's like if you didn't have time to watch all of the seasons there's a good a lot of there's a good amount of content that you can consume to learn about the strategy of Big Brother and like people's downfalls and successes in the past in certain seasons and like things that would position that would give you the tools to be able to adapt and position yourself in the best place that you can be based off of the successes and failures of people in the past and just the way the game works and like why jury management matters and all of these things that I find it a little bit annoying as a viewer when people just like don't know and I know like whatever anyways those are my takes on the on big brother who I'd be happy if they won or lost Jack I'm like he's just there I don't really like I I like Jack as a person but as a player like I I just I don't I don't get where he's going with things most of the time. So I don't really know how I would feel if Jag won. It would be cool. Like it really, there there are certain players where I'm like, I wouldn't be against them winning. Like I wouldn't genuinely be angry if they won. I just have to see how it works because it's like, there are certain circumstances where Jag wins, depending on what happens, I'll be like, okay, he deserved that. That was a really good end game play. And I feel the same about Bowie Jane or even Corey in America, who I really like. And I think they've made some big moves and they've been part of certain things and they've done their best to be socially aware. Do I think that they have like failures as players? Obviously. But like, I, I think it really just, it depends on how these next few weeks go because one game move can change the trajectory of your game and all of that. So it really just depends to me on how certain people get to the end. But like on a personal level, if Cameron wins, I think I, I think I'm going to be very angry for a very long time. 
for many reasons. I don't like him as a person. I don't think he's a good player. And that that's it. <laughs> Those are the two reasons. But anyways, I talked about Big Brother way longer than I meant to. But I've just been consuming a lot of Big Brother. What can I say? And there was a lot that happened. So the next show I want to talk about is Love is Blind. So season five came back. They're in Houston. And this season of Love is Blind, there's too much to talk about. Like, so I'm not going to go like episode by episode or couple by couple or like, you know, plot point, plot point by plot point. I'm just going to talk about my general thoughts about this season of Love is Blind so far. And the new episodes dropped like after I started recording this <laughs> and I haven't watched any of them. And I'm probably going to watch like a couple and then just finish editing this in the morning instead of instead of staying up to finish editing this because I decided a long time ago that if I get an episode out on Friday, even if it's Friday evening, that's a success. I always wanted to go to sleep Thursday night having the episode edited and ready to upload. And like, I'm just like, that's not necessary anymore. I recorded it, you know, I can start editing it a little bit. That's all I can do. I don't need to, I don't start working till 3 p.m. You know, I have a whole morning to finish editing and I always like force myself to stay up really late and then I don't have any time to relax. Anyways, I'm so annoying, but you know what? This is just for me. So I'm just having fun. I'm just venting. I'm just, you know, (laughs) talking to myself. But this season of Love is Blind so far I really think that whatever production did, they kind of they kind of flopped in terms of the love department, which is the first word in the title of the show. Um, at least the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. It's called the Bachelor, so if they don't end up with anybody. Well, it was about them dating multiple people. <laughs> Obviously, the point is to find love, but like at the end of the day, if they dated multiple people, hey, we got what we wanted. Love is Blind is called Love is Blind. And there are like two couples that made it out of the... There were three couples that got engaged that went into the honey, like the trip that they go on that's like kind of a honeymoon before they go back to their real lives. And we see them trying to fit into each other's lives in the real world. Only three couples went to that post-pod thing which is a flop within itself. Normally they have at least five people, five couples. They had three people. One of those couples broke up. So now there's only two couples left, right? The most compelling, and the the thing that's annoying about these couples is that Love is Blind has done a pretty good job most seasons having at least one star couple. Like there's there's a few couples that are like, will they or won't they? They seem kind of dysfunctional you're rooting for them or you're not, or you, like, don't think they're gonna last, like, and then there are some where they have minor conflicts, but the main thing you come away feeling is that these people were made for each other, that the show was created so these people in this city could find love, like, Lauren and Cameron from season one, they were the blueprint for that, last season, it was Tiffany and Brett, like, there, there are couples where they have, like, a golden A plus pinnacle of a couple normally. This season, in my opinion, they don't have that. The two couples that remain, neither neither really seem <laughs> I'm not rooting for any of them. Like I'm not. The only like the things that I'm most interested in about the show and what I want to keep watching for is the 
post-pod conflict in terms of there was a lot of conflict in the pods of like there was a couple that knew each other there were many love triangles things like that (laughs) where that is what I'm interested in is like how are these people going to interact like I'm not invested in any of the couples I could care less if they get married or not like I, I really don't care and I just I feel like they've fallen flat I feel like they really messed up with the people who knew each other that's causing a big conflict the guy alleged that the girl was basically a stalker so if that's true then they really fell flat in maintaining his safety and like the integrity of the experiment like there were two people who knew what the other looked like but you know what I think I was I was thinking this because I feel like there was in one of the earlier seasons, maybe one or two, I swear there was a very brief, like in the first episode, they always show like most of the people just talking very rapid, like fire, like pointless conversations to introduce the pods. I swear there was somebody who was like, oh, I think I I saw you in a dating app or something. Maybe I made that up, but I feel like somebody mentioned that offhanded once, but I, do, I, I don't think it was ever like, oh, you're my ex. It's obviously a very different scenario than just like, oh, we run in the same circles. I think I know who you are. This is like somebody that you dated. And I know that Bachelor asks for your dating history. I don't know if Love is Blind does. I don't know their casting processes, processes, whatever. (laughs) I don't know. But in my opinion, the whole way they handled that was not good. They claim that they didn't know when they showed up, but I think... Like, I I, I don't know. I just think that the guy Uche has said that he was not able to tell the girl that he was talking to in the pods about this pre-existing relationship. Like, he was told not to. And I just, I think, I I don't know. I get, I, it was a big reveal and it was very, like, dramatic. But, like, I understand from a TV perspective, but from, like, a human perspective, it wasn't fun to watch because I felt icky. I was like there's been a lot of deception and like the girl Uche's ex her name is Lydia she's in one of the relationships right now one of the two successful successfully engaged post honeymoon trip like relationship like there are only two couples right now that are living together in this pod experiment that will go to the altar if they make it only two couples and I'm not really rooting for the one Lydia's in because Uche's alleging she's a stalker like, and do do I know if she's a stalker? No, it's alleged, you know? And he didn't say stalker, but he, like, said that she came to his house and sent him a picture being like, I see you, and, like, really pushed, like, invaded his privacy, I think were the words he used. Like, he just alleged things about her that just make me uncomfortable. And also, like, the relationship she's in, Lydia's with some guy called Milton, and he's 24, which I am, I'm 24, but this, this was filmed at least last year, so he's probably like 25 now, maybe 26 if they filmed this in 2021, I don't know when they filmed this, the Love is Blind episodes normally, or seasons are filmed at least like a year before they air, so I don't know when this was filmed, but definitely not 2023, so he's probably 25 now, but the point is he's young and she's 30, and I'm not inherently against, like, like, I don't know, there's a lot of nuance to age gap, like, relationships. And I do think when you're under 25, like, it's kind of, 
I think if somebody's over 25, it's a little bit better, but tw- under 25 is just kind of like your brain isn't fully developed. Why are you really dating? But that's not even the problem I have because if they seemed like a very good, healthy, like there was no indication of the difference. Like there are some couples where like there there's an age gap, but it doesn't feel like the age gap is their entire thing. Like they literally, and again, it's an edited show. Maybe they're just showing this, but I swear it's like every conversation that we see, there's like some dig about Milton being young and Lydia being old. And it's just weird to me. Like it makes me deeply uncomfortable that that's the narrative that they're, they're selling us about this couple. Why am I rooting for them? I don't see any love. I don't see any compatibility. I just see they're attracted to each other. They both like rocks. She's a geologist. He like <clears throat> likes rocks. And beyond that, all I'm getting is that she's kind of like mothering him and being like, no, you have to wear these shorts because they match with my thing. And and on top of that, she's like emphasizing that she's older. Like it just, it doesn't, it's not, a, I'm not rooting for them. And then Stacy and Izzy, they have a whole like financial, like... Thing, like, I'm just not rooting for any of the couples. The pod drama is the only thing that I'm, like, interested in. And Love is Blind, I think, really starts falling short later in this season when they get to the, like, meeting of the families and getting closer to the wedding. Things kind of lull. And I think with only two couples, it's going to get so boring. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what they're going to fill the episodes with, genuinely. And I'm just, I'm not rooting for either couple. Like, I don't know. I'm just not super into this season of Love is Fine. I'm going to be honest. Some seasons are great. This season, they just don't have, like, a hero couple I'm rooting for. There's always at least a couple couples where you're like, I hate him. They're not going to last, you know? Like, Deepti and whatever his name was. (laughs) Shake? I think that, I don't know. Um, I know he's a veterinarian, but I don't remember. I think it's Shake. But anyways, like, watching them, I was never like, ooh, true love, love them, you know? But at least there were... Actually, that season didn't have that many couples I was rooting for. Um, I don't remember who else came from that season. Some of them just blend together in my head. I think it's hard. Actually, no, I feel this way about The Bachelor, too. But anyways... I just, like, I'm not really into this season of Love is Blind so far. It's kind of, like, a flop for me. I think whatever the producers did, it's not that great. I honestly, the times I've enjoyed the episodes the most is I will, (laughs) there is a YouTuber (laughs) called Psychology in Seattle, and he watches, like, reality television and then talks about it from, like like, a therapist relationship perspective, and, like, He doesn't diagnose them. He just, like, uses an example, and he's like, this could mean this. And if, like, he he just, he does it in a very interesting way, in a very compassionate way. I I really appreciate his content because he always talks about things, like, very nuanced and, like, empathetic and kind and generous in the way he, like, gives his perspective on people. But he'll also share, like, I've seen people who have, like, this tendency and it might mean this and this is how like he just he has really interesting insight i've i've found a lot of like i've really been interested watching his content in this of this season i am a 
Patreon member of Game of Roses and Bachelor Clues watches the episodes and I love his commentary like there's just that's how I'm enjoying the season is other people's commentary I think if I didn't have that I would probably stop watching but I am very interested in hearing other people's commentaries and I like watching the episode and then hearing about it like hearing people break it down or like Rewatching it with somebody so that's kind of what I'm doing right now and how I'm enjoying love is mine season five But I don't really think I would recommend it. It's kind of annoying Don't even get me started on the American flag guy and his whole I don't like that you wear makeup thing That was wild. He was definitely giving Andrew Tate conservative bro Vibe, okay moving on the next show I want to talk about before I get into my thoughts on the Bachelor franchise shows because there are two right now is I want to talk a little bit about the Kardashians now I'm not gonna again get into like everything that happened in the last in the first two episodes of the season because I don't really I don't really care to do that I just have a lot to say about the Kim and Courtney fight because there's a lot of you know disagreements and a lot of people are team Kim and do I think that Courtney is a perfect sister? Like, no. Obviously, I know they've had their conflict. Like, what bothers me about the Kim Courtney conflict, so many C K sounds, is that people are always like, well, Courtney for years, and they show clips from like 10 years ago or something. And I just find it really frustrating when people like that that feels annoying to me of people trying to be like well Courtney's always been the problem because of x y and z and they show old things I just find that annoying like I find that really frustrating I also find it confusing because Kim's whole argument is that Courtney has changed and nobody recognizes her anymore so is Courtney always a problem or is she acting different now like I just I am team Courtney because in that phone call did Courtney, Courtney obviously said something she, she shouldn't have, but I mean, I watched this two weeks ago, so now I don't have it all fresh in my mind, all the points that I wanted to make, but it was like, Courtney said she was hurt by something, and then, or, or, Courtney would comment on something that Kim did, and then Kim was like, nobody likes you, like, that was the general, that's why I had a hard time siding with Kim because Courtney would be like I was really hurt by the way you acted at my wedding and or I was really hurt by this and then Kim instead of being like I'm sorry I hurt you that wasn't my intention I love you I would like if if my if my sister or anybody in Miami like any like somebody I'm close to came to me and said Emmy I was really sad about how like your attitude at my wedding. Like I felt like it wasn't about me. I felt like you weren't happy to be there. I felt like you made it about yourself. Like whatever. I would be like my immediate reaction. Maybe I would internally get a little bit defensive and frustrated if I didn't feel like that was true. But I would try to calmly after the, like I would try to like approach the person by being like, I'm so sorry. I like, I would, I would, you know, I would speak rationally. I would come like I I wouldn't come to it emotional to the best of my ability, 
And if I felt too emotional to respond, I'd be like, I hear you. I want to have this conversation. I need to calm down. And then we can talk. Like, I'm not trying to ignore you. I just, I'm, 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 I need to gather my thoughts. But if I came to this, and this was a conversation after the fact that they were having on the phone, after they had seen the episodes back. If somebody came to me and was like, and this had happened months ago, and they were like, I was really hurt by how you were at my wedding, I wouldn't be like, that's crazy. Nobody likes you. Everybody thinks you're different. I would have been like, or no, that that wasn't even Kim's initial response. She was like, that's not true. Why are you saying this if it's not true? Like basically completely invalidating and dismissing Courtney's perspective and Courtney's issues even though in my opinion she didn't initially come at it like you did this you did that she said I felt like my wedding wasn't about me that you weren't happy to be there and if Kim genuinely was happy to be there and like I would be like I'm so sorry that on your like special day you felt like I wasn't happy for you like I love you I obviously am so happy when you're doing well and you're happy and I was happy to be there. Like, I'm sorry if that didn't come across. And Kim just didn't lead with that. She led with, like, that didn't happen. You're wrong. And you are act You act so different now. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Like, Cor- Courtney was like, I want you to examine genuinely why you would, which I think is an interesting question, why you feel the need to say yes to everything and, like, couldn't let the my wedding like the Prada or no Dolce and Gabbana sorry um like why couldn't you let the Dolce thing just be about me or whatever and Kim is just like I want you to examine why you hate me like there was so much deflecting so much and I cannot stand when you come to somebody directly and say I didn't like this behavior of yours and then they bring up well nobody like I've had people do this to me where it's not like I have a problem with this or I disagree it's like everybody agrees with me that you're wrong and you're acting weird and you're acting different and like what like I cannot stand that technique of communication of being like actually no (laughs) you're wrong like your feelings are incorrect and everybody agrees with me that you're the problem like I just feel like that's such an ineffective thing and then Kim said that she was in a group chat called not Courtney where they talked about how different she was and and all of this and it's just like I don't understand how people are team Kim I don't I I really don't like I just Courtney is not a perfect person, but I just feel like Kim is a horrible communicator. And I think there are just a lot of things about Kim that rub me the wrong way. And one of them is like this method of communication she has. Because I just feel like, and maybe she doesn't, and maybe she just does a bad job of whatever. Maybe this is just my perspective. But I feel like Kim has this inflated view of herself and I'm not saying I mean obviously she's very successful she should be proud of that but I just think the the reason I'm saying this is because Kim has said more than once and I think Chris maybe even said this that out of all her sisters she thinks she's the only one who 
she's like, I know that I went through that because I'm the only one who would have survived it. And I just find that kind of rhetoric really annoying because you don't know what kind of, like, like, what do you mean that you're the only one who, like, if you were, like, that you were robbed at gunpoint, which was obviously a very traumatic situation. Like, she has said more than once that she thinks it happened to her because she could handle it. And I just feel like that is such a, like, weird perspective to have. I would never say that, like, I had to go through something in my family because I'm the only one who could have handled it. Like, that, because I feel like you are making it seem like you're the only one strong enough which like resilient being resilient is obviously very important but if you like experience deep trauma and it takes you a while to recover or you change or like it impacts the rest of your life and you're not able to bounce back in the way that kim kardashian has said that now she has obviously was traumatic at the moment but i think her whole perspective is that she has just she she's a lot more able to like have that be a thing past and not like continue to impact her life i mean i think it's like it's changed anyways i don't know if i'm making sense but i just i don't like this narrative that if you succumb to drama or you're impacted by it in a certain way that that means you're like weak or that you couldn't handle it like it just i i don't like that narrative and not even about her sisters, but just in general, that like Kim is the one is is like a person who's been through the certain things she's been through because she can endure it in ways that other people can't. I don't like that kind of way about talking about human struggles because I think it doesn't matter the impact. Like if, if somebody survived, they survived. Like why are you talking about how resilient and strong and like a, like able to move on? you are like it just I don't like that I also think that that is easy to say from a place of privilege because you are able to have stronger security you're like you're able to take certain measures that certain people wouldn't be able to and I know she isn't saying that like she's the strongest person ever but I just find that really kind of like I think I don't like it bothers me if I was one of her sisters, it would bother me and it bothers me on their behalf because Courtney has been through different traumas that you haven't. Chloe has been through certain traumas that you haven't. And you've been through similar traumas of like losing your father and all of that and you experienced it differently. Like I just don't like this narrative that Kim is like, I went through it because I could handle it and my sisters wouldn't have been able to handle it. Like I don't like that narrative like why are you basically saying your sisters aren't as resilient as you or something I just don't and anyways I don't remember why I got into this thing I just I think a struggle I have with Kim in the way that she comes across is that when it comes to her sisters and I feel like mostly Courtney I don't know I, I don't like the way she communicates with her I feel like she has a pretty like I just I I have I I struggle a lot with the with the Courtney thing because a big criticism of Courtney is that she never wants to be on the show and she never wants to do anything and like they're all share, showing and sharing everything but like Courtney can't and it's like Courtney and I wish part of like I wish something that was included in that narrative was that Courtney showed 
so much of this toxic relationship that she was in with with Scott for like the like their entire relationship basically was on the show the ups the downs his problems her struggles like the, the, all of the births of her children like so much of her life and trauma because I, I I I believe that that relationship with Scott was very unhealthy for her mentally all of that was shared publicly at times where like Chloe and her relationship with Lamar not much of that was shown like the negative stuff that was going on and I just wish that Courtney's and maybe Courtney is kind of like she says she doesn't want to do it and then she does it and then she's annoyed that she does it and maybe that would be frustrating but I just wish that her sisters would take into account like how much Courtney has shown of her life and how maybe like mentally unhealthy that was for her and not be like resentful of it or like be like well we do this and she's not doing it because it's like well she did certain things that you didn't like maybe she's at a point where she's like I don't want to keep showing this and that's fine I just I have a lot of empathy for Courtney and not that I don't have empathy for the other sisters I do Chloe's been through a lot Kim like I I have like I, I do I just I don't know I think Courtney with all her flaws does sometimes I feel like you can see that she's trying her best to communicate like in that phone call it like devolved but I really from the beginning like I feel like Kim was defensive and I think Kim had more of the low blows and like shitty like ineffective um communication tactics and new like then then than Courtney did from my perspective so I don't know oh, okay now I want to talk about Bachelor in Paradise and Golden Bachelor I'm going to talk about Bachelor in Paradise first because I want to end on a high note Bachelor in Paradise so far I love that Rachel Mackey is there the first episode was really just like the first night and then episode two which aired this Thursday the 5th um was like the rest of the first week and the first rose ceremony and all of that and the first episode was like interesting it was like not too much like it was it was a good pace it had enough interest I really love that Rachel Recchi is back I don't know if I already said that I am not super invested in any of the early couples so far and I feel like the main conflict of the first episode was the Kylie, Will, Olivia triangle. Basically, Olivia and Will flirted, they kissed, and then Kylie took Will on a date, and Olivia was pissed. And I have to say, Olivia's reaction was not, like, her... It didn't proportionally fit the facts of the situation, like a girly pop. You had one conversation yes you kissed but this is paradise who hadn't had any conversations about it's the first night you haven't had any conversations about like i think when if i was on the show when i gave somebody a rose for the first time and like i or they gave me a rose and we like 
there was some level of like, I chose you or you chose me, then maybe that would begin to be a conversation where it's like, do you have to ask me before you go on a date or something? But it's like literally the first night you're just mingling, you're getting to know each other and you kiss. And then she goes on a date. Like it was so over the top, like anti Kylie, like how dare she, she knew that I kissed him. Like you don't own him. You you weren't in a committed relationship. You were barely in a like we're talking thing. Like you you were just getting to know each other. I don't know if you didn't want to kiss somebody unless you knew that they were committed to you. Then you shouldn't kiss somebody on the first day. Like kissing somebody doesn't mean you have like ownership of them, <laughs> especially on a dating show. Like it's just, it was silly and it was over the top. And then the big cliffhanger was that Kylie had said she really wanted Avon to come down. Like that was the person that she was really excited about coming down. And obviously, Avon wasn't there the first night because the producers love to cause chaos. So Avon came down the second night. They didn't wait until the second week. week. They waited a day for Kylie to go on her date. They set her up, you know, it's typical. Um, and then Avon comes down, and Olivia's like, I want to go for Avon because Kylie went for Will. And it's like, girl... Please be real. You were not. It was the first day. You would talk to him for like a few hours. Like maybe two days in when you spent like the entire two days talking to the person. And like you're the only person that they've talked to romantically. Okay. Maybe you should start to have conversations about, hey, I'm going on this date. Or even maybe if Olivia had taken him on a date before or something. Or they had been on a date or something. You're just on the beach and you're talking and you're getting to know people. Like, I'm sorry, a kiss does not mean that you are, like, a thing now. You haven't even given each other a rose. He hasn't picked you. You haven't picked him. There's no picking going on. Like, I really did not like the way that... Hey, if you're interested in Avon, be interested in Avon. He is also fair game. He is not Kylie's man just like Will was not your man. But the way she talked about Avon in her in her ITMs was about how, like, basically how much she wanted to get revenge on Kylie, which is, like, that's just shitty. Like, don't go after somebody because you want to spite somebody else. It's a horrible way to start a relationship. Like, so that was a whole thing. I, Rachel... Rekia right now she's dating the Sean guy the cashmere scarf guy from charity season I hope that doesn't last long I don't really like him and I love Rachel and I just like I don't know I don't know Eliza is dating Aaron B and there was a whole kind of like love triangle thing where Eliza really didn't want to be in a love triangle and then she found out that Aaron B had kissed Mercedes the night before and that was a whole thing because she was like, fuck, I don't want to be in a love triangle again. But then Aaron was like, I'm, I just want to be with you. So I don't know, maybe they're somewhat locked down. And then Hannah Brown came to the beach. This was the most annoying thing from this episode. Because Hannah Brown came down to the beach. And she didn't say, oh, I'm here to like give a date card. or like She didn't say why she was there. But she was just pulling in and asking them how things were going. So they were all like, oh, I think she's here to date. I think she's here to date. Some of them were like, doesn't she have a boyfriend? And they were like, it sounds like she's here to date. And the thing is, I would be so annoying on the show because I'd be like, guys, let's be real. One, they can't afford Hannah Brown. Like she is one of their, like they literally haven't been able to get Tyler Cameron to be the bachelor because his demands have been too high and they will not meet 
his demand. There is no way that Hannah Brown... Like, and I, I'm pretty sure that I read that fresh after her season, they were considering doing a, like, second, like, a round two for Hannah Brown because she was single. And I read somewhere that they... It didn't end up happening because she was asking more than they were willing to pay. Like, I just think Hannah Brown is, a, like, a, a big star who probably charges... Like, they can't afford to pay her the entire season. <laughs> Let's be real. There's no way they could afford Hannah Brown for a whole season, okay? Like, one episode is probably all they can afford because they are not... They're not going to pay for Hannah Brown to be there the whole season. Second of all, she's in a relationship, okay? They're only doing this to psych us out. She's been in a long-term committed relationship. And if she just broke up with the guy, let's say, because that would be the only explanation. If I was on the beach, I'd be like, the only explanation is she just broke up with the guy. Is Hannah Brown literally going to go on a show again after she just broke up with somebody she thought? Like, no, we have to be logical, It'd be so annoying. I'd be like, guys, they're just trying to mess with us. It's not real. She's not here today. It doesn't make any sense that she'd be here today. She just broke, like, she would have had to just break up with her boyfriend. Let's be real. But anyways, they're all like, oh, is she here today? And then she's like, she leaves a date card and it's a bonfire. And I have to say, I really like the bonfire. I think it was a way to add, like, action and conflict in a way that didn't feel too produced. It didn't feel like they were, like, staging a suitcase or, like, there was, like, obviously, it wasn't just, like, they filmed them at a beach. Like, they, there was some, like, there was, there was some production aspect, but it was, like, questions, and Hannah Brown was there, and they had to, like, an, like, it was an interesting way to add conflict and add tension and add substance without manipulating them in an uncomfortable way, I guess. Like, I enjoyed it. I think it was a good tool that they used and I think they should do it again like that kind of thing I think prom and those kind of big parties in the past have also been good things to kind of like not make it you're just record like you're just it's the same it's people on the beach every day and sometimes they go on dates like adding a little bit more of tension and conflict and like in, like you know intrigue without like cheap annoying things of like planting a suitcase and a vibrator and like all this stuff that feels annoying you know so that was my take people got roses at the end Greer went home I don't remember who else went home <laughs> I remember Greer going home because I thought she was gonna last a bit longer because her and Brittany who was on last season of Paradise she was on Matt James's season because she was the one who Anna Redman started the rumor that she was entertaining men for money. Um, which I like Anna Redmond now, but but she was... Anyways, she was on Matt James' season. I loved her on Paradise. And she and... Anyways, she and Greer are, like, friends now. Like, they post on TikTok all the time together. So I thought, oh, they probably met on Paradise and are friends now. But... Which is why I thought Greer has to stick around for, like, a week. Because Howard, like, Britney's not there. But now I don't know. Maybe Britney doesn't come at all and they just met through Bachelor Nation. Yeah, I don't know why I assumed that they met on Paradise and were besties now. Maybe it's because it seemed like they were becoming friends, like, right after Paradise stopped filming. But maybe that was just me. Maybe I saw a comment on one of their TikToks that said, Oh my god, you must have met in Paradise. And I bought into it. But 
Greer went home. I don't remember who else went home. I'm not really into any of the couples right now. I love it when more women come in and the women have the power. So I'm excited to see that next week. And I don't know. I'm not rooting for anybody right now. I really, I really like Rachel Recchia. And I, I like, I, I want to root for her love. But I really don't like that Sean guy. And I don't know. It seems like maybe she pursues Brayden. Which I have nothing against Brayden. But like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know who I'm rooting for. But anyways, on a happier note, and the last show that I'm going to talk about in this way longer than normal episode, but hey, I missed three weeks, so you get a little treat. <laughs> I, the last show I'm going to talk about is The Golden Bachelor. I love The Golden Bachelor. I'm so invested. It is the perfect combination of emotional, heartfelt, like romantic. It's it's just such a a beautiful show. And I I've teared up both episodes at this point. Like it it's just such a good show. I think the one hour format is really good because it doesn't feel like they're filling it with too much stuff like unnecessary stuff or like I don't know I really like Gary I think he's doing a phenomenal job I think he does such a great job connecting with the women and genuinely getting to know them and like the time I think what makes it feel so much deeper and like compelling is that it genuinely feels like in every conversation Gary has with these women, he's taking it to get to know them. And it's not the same, like, surface level canned answers of like, oh, I'm here for love or like, it genuinely feels like they are telling, like they are getting to know each other. And at the rose ceremony in the second episode, he said, you guys were strangers and now I consider all of you my friends. Like, it was so beautiful. Like, he genuinely... He cried at the rose ceremony. Like, he genuinely cares about these women and he values their time. And I just think there's something so beautiful about getting to... I think something I love about reality TV and and I love this about TV in general is just narratives and stories and the human, like, aspect of stories. And I think reality TV, as much as it is, like, drama and, like, you know... drama and chaos and heartbreak and all the messy parts of being human beings I think something really beautiful that the golden bachelor has done is it's really showcased just like I don't know how rich and deep and it's just been so beautiful to get to know as a viewer like these women with like all of the life they've lived it's it's just been so heartfelt and emotional and their conversations feel intentional the dates feel intentional the women feel sincere like it's just it's it's such a good show like it's so good um i love the i love the women i love gary i i genuinely hope that they continue with the Golden Bachelor, like, franchise. Like, I hope it becomes a staple. Like, I hope it's not, like, 
bachelor pad, which disappeared off the... Like, they did a few episodes, and then it never became... Or maybe a few seasons, and then it never became a thing. Like, I hope... Or Bachelor Winter Games, that was one. Bachelor Listen to Your Heart. Like, they've done spinoffs before that don't go anywhere. Bachelor in Paradise is on season nine, so some of their spinoffs do. But I genuinely hope that they continue the Bachelor the Golden Bachelor franchise and they do a Golden Bachelorette and then a Golden Bachelor again because I think it is something I haven't seen on television before is people in their golden years dating and and I think those love stories matter too. People who have lived lives and had great loves but are looking for a different kind of great love. I think there is such a narrative that... You want to find your forever person. You know, they always say that. Like, you're forever when they're on The Bachelor or these dating shows. They want to find the person they're going to be with forever. And that's a lovely thought and a lovely hope. And and you hope that you can be with somebody forever. But that's not always the case. And I think it's really beautiful to show that you can have... have had great loves. You can have had the the person you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with. But if that doesn't last forever, you still deserve another great love and you still deserve companionship and you still deserve like it it it's just it's such a beautiful show, like genuinely. I'm excited to see how it will continue. I really am. I don't know. I it's it's a it's just it's a great it's a great show so far. I I don't have many notes on it. Who do I think? Who am I rooting for? I really liked Marina, but she unfortunately went home because of family emergency, which I don't think they didn't show that in the episode. I was like, where's Marina? So I went on the Golden Bachelor Instagram and they had posted about it. But I liked Marina a lot. I think, oh God, I don't, I really like Edith. I don't remember who... Faith, I think, is the front runner. She got the first impression rose, but the bachelor, the regular bachelor, doesn't have the best track record for first impression rose uh, recipient in terms of making it to the end. But that doesn't mean that Faith, like the Golden Bachelor, might be different. Who knows? Genuinely, I thought even like the thing is even the like sticks or the funny parts were are like so interesting and compelling and like just something I haven't seen like it's innovative I think that's why I like it because even the like they're at the mansion and on the date for this for this week's episode the second episode somebody was upset that another person got the outfit that they wanted like these things I've seen before but there's always just such a different like, the way they talk about each other and the experience is just so different because they're all coming to the table from with very different, like, life experiences and perspectives than the women on The Bachelor do. And so it's just, it feels new. I don't feel like I've seen anything like this. And I feel like the reality, the reality TV space is very saturated right now. And I think dating shows, like are very popular and obviously the bachelor has been around for a long time and is a classic in many ways but i just think i i haven't seen anything like this where it yeah like it, it I've, i'm repeating myself but it's really good i just like i wanted to find the cast list because i don't remember the people's names 
Yeah, Edith, I really like. April, I find to be a really funny character. Ellen, I think, is a front runner. Faith, I think, is a front runner. Um, Leslie, I think, is a front runner. I think those are the people that... Nancy, in episode two, she got the group date rose, and she did well on the first night. Like, I, Nancy, I'm, I'm giving so many people. Nancy, I feel really good about... I think those are mostly the people i think oh teresa maybe um i think she's gonna get decent but i don't know if she's gonna be hometowns but i don't know sandra i think is gonna be around for a very long time but i don't think she and gary i don't see her being one of the strongest connections but maybe they come out at the end who knows but generally sorry my cats are going kind of crazy so and I've been recording for a while. This episode is, like, really long, so it's going to take me longer to edit it, which is always, you know, a factor to consider. So I'm going to wrap this up soon. I went on a million tangents. My introduction was very long. But you know what? I haven't podcasted in a while. And hopefully this will be up Friday sometime in the evening. But if not, it'll be out first thing Saturday. I will finish it Friday after work and schedule it for Saturday morning. But... Regardless, this will be out soon. And if you listened to this at all, thank you. I didn't mean to talk about Big Brother as much as I did. And I really want to talk more about The Golden Bachelor. I need to just take some notes or like have some kind of thoughts prepared. But hopefully I covered everything I wanted to talk about. I don't really know. This episode wasn't supposed to be structured. It was just me rambling about my thoughts on what I've been watching lately. And and I think I did a pretty good job. I really love The Golden Bachelor, genuinely. I, I just, I think it's so good. And I think even if you haven't watched The Bachelor in years or you've never watched The Bachelor, I think you should check out The Golden Bachelor. It's only an hour, which makes it a lot more digestible. It's not two hours of content that you have to consume. Which I like the two hours. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love long-form content. I will I will watch or listen to, like, a four-hour podcast. I can, I can sit on my computer <laughs> on my weekend and, like, spend eight hours, like, a full-time job. Like, as if I'm clocking in, watching Big Brother live feeds. Like, I, am, I like consuming long-form content. So the two hours isn't that much for me. I mean, I will literally watch an episode of Love is Blind. And then I will re-watch the episode... Um, through, like, I'll watch Bachelor Clues from the Game of Roses podcast, watch it. So, like, I don't really mind long kind of things, but it's one hour, so it's just a lot more accessible to consume, and it's really good. I really recommend it. I just, I think, I think it's doing a great job. I really, I really do. But thank you so much for listening. Sorry again for being inconsistent. I'm going to try my best. I, you know, you know, what's really beautiful is that I, at the beginning of this episode was feeling really shitty about myself and this podcast and just stuff in general, which is why I spent, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes just talking about my life and my feelings and all of that and, and my feelings towards this podcast. And now like over an hour, maybe close to two hours recording this, I feel so much lighter and happier and better. And I just think that is a great reminder to myself that sometimes starting is the scariest part and and once I get it recorded and I I get it completed and I just and I'm able to start editing it's not that scary and it doesn't feel 
so pointless and so like why am I doing this nobody cares you know because I had a good time doing it the editing sucks but I try to be not like I try not to edit myself too much but I get really conscious about how much I say the word like I get very conscious about my gulping sometimes and there are sometimes that I have to cut out like two minutes because I didn't pause my recording but I had to get up because my cats were doing something and there's literally just me screaming, Ernesto, no. <laughs> so yeah, those that's the main edits I make, but I try not to edit myself too much because it takes a lot of time. But thank you so much for listening. Sorry for all the rambling, but hopefully you like that. And if you do like that, please follow me wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review, share this with a friend, do all of those things as it would mean truly so much to me because I care so much about this podcast. And it means a lot if you even just listen to this episode and then you forget about me. Thank you for any kind of love you or chance you give my podcast. It means a lot. Thank you so much for listening. And you will hear from me sometime next weekend, hopefully on Friday. But if not, just sometime in the general Friday, Saturday, Sunday range is when, I, when I'm going to be uploading now. My goal is still Fridays because I, I, I work when I don't work Wednesday and Thursday. So these are the days that I can really work on the podcast. But a lot of the shows that I, I want to talk about now air on Thursdays. So it's just like I can't record on Wednesdays because I, I have so much I need to talk about. Maybe I will start recording on Wednesdays and just like be a week late in my coverage. I don't really know. I haven't decided yet. This episode was just a catch up sharing my general thoughts (laughs) general I like rambled but like sharing my thoughts on all the shows that I've been watching and I have thoughts about but next week will be a little bit more like here's what happened on this week of Big Brother and this episode of The Golden Bachelor and these episodes of Love is Blind so that'll be next week and I probably won't keep I probably won't cover the Kardashians again (laughs) Um, unless something happens. I really just wanted to talk about the the Courtney-Kim fight because I had a lot of thoughts about that. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, rate and review. Like and subscribe if you're listening to this on YouTube once it eventually goes up there and I figure out how to do that. And thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Goodbye.